You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast, where we discuss hot topics and sports. We thank you for joining us today. We have a special interview with our guest, Anthony Murrow. And you may know this name. I know a lot of people, even if you Google him, you'll see a nice, handsome picture. But I'm going to leave the <laughs> formal introduction to our, my man, Evan. Hello, everybody. Uh, had a pleasure of meeting Anthony uh, earlier this last year. Uh, but this is Anthony Morrow. He is a Georgia Tech alum. He is from West Charlotte. Uh, and he is uh, with, he was playing the NBA for um, seven different NBA teams, eight, seven, eight different NBA teams. Started off the Golden State Warriors. Yes, seven, seven. Seven, yeah. Started off the Golden State Warriors. And he played with so many, so many greats and was a great contributor in the league and, and a three-point specialist. So we're happy to have him here with us. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. All right. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you. I just want to know, I'm jumping right into it. You went undrafted, but you ended up getting picked up. What was, I want to know what that's like, because I have a nephew who was in like this space before the draft. We don't know. We're training. We're anticipating. But what is that like? Can you share that experience? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, it was just like, uh, I always tell people it was kind of fun, but it was nerve-wracking at the same time because I knew I didn't really want to go overseas and I knew I didn't really want to play in the G League. For sure, Not I didn't want to play in the G League. I wanted to maximize, um, you know, as much money as I could make coming fresh out. And um, it was just a process. It got to the point where it wasn't even thinking about, like, playing in the NBA. I think a lot of kids kind of make that mistake when you're working out and you, you know, you're putting pressure on yourself, but you know, you're not really thinking about the big picture. Um, you know, I was just thinking, okay, I want to go overseas if I have to, um, if this NBA thing doesn't work out, but just realizing and having the self-awareness, knowing what the numbers look like for players that even get drafted, you know, it's only a handful of dudes that could really, really control their own destiny when it comes to, you know, superstar guys and everything like that. Everybody else is pretty dispensable, if you will, for lack of a better word. So, you know, for me, I was like, man, I want to make sure that I, you know, keep getting better every day, number one, and just preparing myself for whatever opportunity came. And I actually signed to go to Ukraine for like, I believe it was like 80000 And, you know, that was like my first deal when I was playing summer league. I played in all three different summer leagues, one in, Utah is one in Vegas and there's one in Orlando. So I had to play for two different teams. And I mean, it was just nonstop for the whole summer. My daughter was on the way. So that was like some, uh, a lot of uh, like, just like inspiration and added more fuel to the workouts and to the mindset. And um, I was just blessed enough to play well enough to win MVP of the last summer league in Utah. And then, you know, Golden State gave me a undrafted well, a second round player, um, second round player deal. So it was like one year and then you got to make the team the next year. 
I ended up playing really well my first year, and they just went on and honored the rest of the contract. And, you know, so it was like just like a just two and a half years of just like grinding, but also having fun and being grateful, you know, because my approach to the game was different than the guys that got drafted in the first round or lottery or top five picks. My approach was different mentally, so I feel like I had to prove myself every day. But that's what it's about. Every day, just putting the work in. Don't worry about what's you – know, you can't control nothing else but what you control. And that was my mentality on that. So it worked out, thank God. So here we are. Definitely, definitely. But I want to go back. I'll end. <laughs> Yeah, and I want I want you to tell us about your experience in Little Rock Apartments off of West Boulevard, growing up here, yeah. and, and your childhood. A little more about your childhood. So I'm go way back, which shaped you to who you are now. Uh, I definitely say my um, influence of my family, especially my mother, um, my grandmothers, my pops, of course. Uh, but most of it was me and my mom. So like my mom was like a huge inspiration for me because. She always, I felt like she always took a chance on me and that always made me like not want to mess it up. You know what I'm saying? Because we we didn't have much, you know, coming up where we came up at. My whole family, my mom's side is from West Boulevard. So, you know, you just, you grow up in it. You don't know, you know, really what's going on as a kid. You just, you know, I had a great childhood, you know, minus a few incidents, but um, it was great. You know, I, I just... I always knew I was going to be able to give back somehow, some way. But at that time, I hadn't really experienced anything other than where I'm from. So that was something that she used to, she was huge on that. Like, she was super, super huge on, I don't want you to think that this is it for you. Like, you got to get out and see the world. First, you got to start just by seeing the city. So right. I had a few friends that lived in South Charlotte. One of them lived in Piper Glen. Um you know, we used to go play ball at the wide and we ended up all going to school together, like uh from elementary up until I transferred to Charlotte Latin in ninth grade. And um, you know, she used to let me go over there. He used to have like, you know, we used to have sleepovers at his house. And it was like the biggest house I had ever seen in my life at that point. <laughs> and it was really nice, you know, it was like a nice neighborhood. It was just like a breath of fresh air from where I'm from. It's a different atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? Right. And uh I mean, I don't know. I think that that played a really big part in um, my development as a as a man, as a young man. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I got to see other parts. I got to see and experience the, a different lifestyle than what I was accustomed to. And I loved it. You know what I'm saying? So when I transferred to Charlotte Latin, that was like a culture shock because I'm living <laughs> on I'm living on the boulevard, but going to a school at the time is 97 percent white. Where you're saying the pamphlet, you know, so I mean, it wasn't like you know, anything negative or racist or made me feel uncomfortable. It just was, I wasn't used to that. You know what I'm culture saying? Shock. It was a culture shock. Culture shock for sure, man. And then, uh, um, yeah, that was a great experience too. But yeah, man, childhood was great, man. We grew up, you know, we didn't have a lot. You know, it got kind of bad sometimes. I mean, we was homeless at one point, thank God, mm-hmm. for my my grandmother, you know, carrying that mattress through the projects every other day. Uh, but other, you know, overall, I can't complain about nothing. I mean, it all made me who I am today. And, you know, it was just always like, I, I never want to be, I never, even though I love my neighborhood and I love giving back, 
mm-hmm. I can't come back over here. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> I so definitely feel you. I yeah. share that same story being homeless. So the same story, but right. it's not about me. Right. It's about you. Oh, <laughs> nah, yeah, man. Nah, it's real. I know. It's real. So, and tell us about um, playing ball in in Charlotte. So, obviously, you didn't start playing basketball in Charlotte Latin. So, when did you first start? And kind of tell us about the recruitment process to Latin. Uh, okay. Um, I started playing basketball when I was four. And I was playing on a six and a six a six year old team because my uncle coached his team, and I was too young to play because I you could you had to start when you like five or something. But my mom begged my uncle to let me play so I could like burn off energy. It was strictly about that, <laughs> and then um, I fell in love with it pretty early, and um, you know just just playing in general, and then um, then uh started playing rec league around like eight or nine. So I'm like, nah, AAU. So I was playing rec league from like four up until like 10. Then I started playing AAU when I turned 10. And uh, kind of was just like, you know, I played AAU for about four years, five years. Then my mom took me out of that when I got about 14 or 15. And I really started like my high school coach, like my second dad. He really taught me how to like work on my game, life skills mixed with basketball skills and how. You know, they're, like, very similar in how you can use one as a tool for the other one. And um, he was very imperative in my development, too, for real. He was huge because, you know, he he was always – I mean, he was tough on me, but he also – you know, he also knew it. He was, like, watering the grass. He was like, you're going to be all right, you know. But that whole process – I was at South Met. I had a friend at the time that went to Latin. He was in the eighth grade and I was in the ninth grade when I was at South Met. So his mom, they were like, yo, y'all should, you should try to, your mom trying to, she's thinking about taking you out of South Met, right? I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know where I'm going though. She was like, well, y'all should try to get in Latin. I mean, couldn't hurt to try. All I had to do is say no. So I was like, all right, cool. So my mom talked to her. I went and took the test. I didn't think I pat I didn't think I did well on that placement test at all. I didn't realize it was a placement test though, and not like a like an SAT or something like that. But you know, I ended up getting in and um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I just was glad that I was gonna have an opportunity to do something different. And uh see my freshman year, I didn't play much. It was hard, it was really hard from a school standpoint. <laughs> just because the curriculum was so much different. But, I mean, it was worth it. And then, um, yeah, my freshman year, I, I didn't play much. Then my sophomore year, I started because a lot of seniors graduated. And then that kind of led to the path of, like, you know, just being, like, number one player in the city, Gatorade player of the year, won two state championships. Georgia Tech offered me. I had, like, 40-something offers, maybe more than that. And, uh you know, Georgia Tech was the school I chose to end up going to. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just – I didn't want to be too far away. People always ask, how you didn't end up at Carolina, or NC State, or Wake Forest, or Duke? I was like, man, I just wanted to go somewhere where I wasn't too far. And Atlanta was around the same distance as, like, Raleigh. Maybe a little bit further, but, you know, my mom liked to fit. She wanted me out of North Carolina for sure. I know she did. But she ain't want me too far. 
And um, yeah, that's how that process went. But that Latin process was basically just like any other kid when it took the placement test. And it was up to them. And then me in, I had to make the adjustment because it was hard. I was like failing tests, quizzes. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, man. She was like, nah, you gonna figure it out. You ain't got no choice because you're already in there now, so you can't leave. So I was like, all right, I got you. Figured it out though, but it helped me out a lot in going to um in transitioning to Georgia Tech. It was huge for me because I was already kind of taking like college level courses, and the intensity and the workload was like college. So you know, you know, you ain't got no choice but to lock in on that. You know what I'm saying? So. It was a, it was an interesting process, but I loved it. I mean, it made me, it made me tougher mentally dealing with that school. So it was cool. So shout out to you because I played in your three on three tournament. I mean, we lost. Over? Oh, yeah, we we lost yeah. to, we lost in the second round. So we okay. lost in that one. We was just too mm-hmm. small, but we fought. Yeah. But yeah. um. Man, I got so many different questions, but let me, I'll just start here because I've, I've written other or read other interviews and your love for Charlotte. And then there's also your, your brother, like what type of impact did he have on you? Like throughout the course of your life, throughout this, this current journey, because you said in one of the interviews that um, he pretty much has, you know, as brothers, your brother's always going to have your back. But even mm-hmm. like when you're down at Dowdy or whatever over there hooping, like he's helped you develop to who you are today. Like how much of a big impact has your brother had on your life? Man, he was huge, man. I can't, I can't lie, man. He, uh, I mean, he still is, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, he was my biggest believer and supporter. He, I, he talks about that all the time. And his best friend, who also coaches my AU team, always talks about that. He's every time I see him, he's like, "Hey man, your brother believed in you when you was in middle school. He told me you was gonna play in the league." And I was like, "I don't know. He might play overseas or something." <laughs> I was like, "At least you honest." But uh, yeah, my brother was like really, really, really uh, important to me. Um, you know, he 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 give you positive positive reinforcement. But then he'd get on me, he'd still get on me, you know what I'm saying? Whenever, you know, you need me to do something or pick it up or whatever the case may be, he's still the big brother. He don't let me know about it. Like, I don't care how big you get, you still my you still my little brother. And, you know, he was the reason he take me down to the he take me down to the the, the Dow YMCA. You know, we um, you know, I'll be playing pickup with the older guys and he was like, he would never let me play with kids my age at the Y. I always had to play with them. You know what I'm saying? He was like, it's going to make you better because you got to play with them when you start playing AAU anyway. So you may as well play with these grown men and get better for real so you can dominate them, people that's your age. And that was very important. That was, you know, I didn't realize what he was doing with that because I just wanted to hoop. And, you know, I was the smallest kid out there. I could play though, so they would they wouldn't trip on me playing. But you know, it wasn't just about the plan, it's about getting hit in the nose and falling hard, getting fouled hard by somebody, grown man, you know. So, but now nah, that was that made me a lot, uh, a lot tougher growing up 
you know what I'm saying? Especially on the basketball court. And in terms of Charlotte in general, man, it's just, you know, man, I, I've always loved Charlotte, you know, more than um, probably the average Charlotte here. Like, uh, you know, born and raised here, I knew I was going to come back and live here, you know. And I never really wanted to live anywhere else. I almost bought a house in Atlanta. I'm glad I didn't. But, you know, it was almost like something just was drawing me to Charlotte from when I finished playing and saw how the city was growing. My whole family's here. And at the time I didn't move to uh, Atlanta because my grandma was doing bad at the time. God bless her soul. And um, my mom and everybody just like, kind of was like, man, we need you here. All right, I just stay here. I started the process looking for somewhere in the area to, to live. And it was cool. I, I thank God I didn't. I would have regretted it now if I left and, and moved to Atlanta. But, uh, I mean, I just always loved it, you know. You know, especially where I'm from, um, Rose Boulevard is not like, it's it's like a lot of, it's a food desert. You know, it's a lot of issues over there that they need to fix. And then it's always kind of been known as one of those areas that's like, you know, his reputation for crime and all that, of course, was was always like high. Um, but it But it also is missing so many, is missing so so many things in a in a community and in a neighborhood that would give them kids something to do. You know, like um they have a rec center behind where I grew up at now, where it used to be a park when I was growing up, and they put a rec over there. And then um, you know, it's just ain't nobody ever really made it from over there. And nobody goes down there unless you know somebody or you got family there. There's nothing down there really, you know. <laughs> So, um, you know, that's something I just wanted to change and, you know, leave leave an imprint on, you know, how I can bring resources to my community, you know, <clears throat> and it's, it's very much needed. We're making a lot of progress, giving a lot of hope to kids, but it's still a lot more work to do. And um, we're going to get it all done. But, yeah, that's number one for me. It's just taking pride and giving back to where I'm from and, stay connected with my communities as much as I can. That's dope. I think that's really, um, that's really solid. You know, you sound, just listening to you, you sound like a man of integrity, right? Somebody who is just been kind of consistent um, his whole life. But I want to know if somebody of your, you know, I would say probably around, tell me high school, college time, were you ever confronted by people or opportunities that would have pulled you in that other direction? Like, quote unquote, I know a lot of our young black men and their city kids are always presented by people who have like, oh, <laughs> these wonderful opportunities that could yeah. damage your amateur status, that could, you know, get you blackballed from you know, playing in certain areas. Were you ever presented with that kind of opportunity? You mean like some like off the court, like crime type situation or? Not even crime, it, white collar. <laughs> you know what I mean? People oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, point shaving, like all that crazy stuff that comes with, with the world of sports and how people oh, are always yeah. look at the next big thing and how to get their hands in it. Yeah, my, uh... Well, my high school coach was huge on not messing up my eligibility. So, like, I would get, like, bags and bags of clothes and shoes from, like, these shoe companies, 
but they'll come, they'll come through somebody that may be like an AAU coach or mm-hmm. like a, a, a agent, well, a runner that's an agent or something. So when I was in high school, I was getting like all this stuff. And my coach was keeping it all in his office. He was like, can't wear it yet. We got to figure out who it came from. <laughs> you know, so he was like that early on. And, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people like, you know, over the course of time. But I, I was pretty protected between him and my mom from that. And I didn't really care about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted them shoes. I eventually got to get them. But, like, I just, I didn't really, I wasn't one of the kids. Like, a lot of them kids now. Um, and a lot of kids back then too, you know, I just wanted to play basketball. So I didn't care about going to school in a designer shirt and jeans and all that. I didn't care about that. A lot of kids that did care about it, a lot of them, I saw a lot of them mess up their future, you know, taking money from different people. Like I was, I was never really on that. Like, you know, you might get a little hundred dollar handshake gear there. You know, mom's got something going on with, we, you know, stuff coming up short, bills need to be paid. You know, that might be the case every now and then. But other than that, it was, uh, nah, man, I, I just didn't care about it. And then, like, now, you know, then, it, you know, you get in the league, more people coming at you with investments and all this kind of stuff. And I made some investments, so some good ones. And, um, you know, I, I just didn't, like, saying no to them people sometimes is – important because everybody will keep coming asking for you to do a deal with them or be a part of something and um i got i still got i got a smart group of people around me that you know i listen to and some mentors some real special mentors that i listen to that kind of keep me away from that now but you know it's always somebody gonna try to be an opportunist it's just the older i get to realize I, you can see it further coming See it from a mile away now versus, you know, when you're younger. But, I don't know, man, I've always been kind of cheap with my money. So, you know what I'm saying? People people don't really come at me with all that. But it is what it is. Definitely, definitely. So, we're going to speed up your college tour. Your college days, Georgia Tech, he's told, told us that, you know, that was the fit for you. And when you came to Georgia Tech your freshman year, uh, 2004, 2005, you had a few friends on that team, right? You had a few yeah. guys on the team, Jared Jack, Will Bynum, um, um, Luke. And how was it playing with those future um, NBA players and your first season at Georgia Tech? Um, yeah, made it to the um, NCAA tournament. So just explain during that, that tournament, first you've seen these future NBA players, and on top of that, you qualify and you, and you actually win your first round. Yeah, no, nah, it was, I mean, unbelievable experience, man, especially coming there. They had just came off a championship run where they lost to UConn in the national championship. And, um, you know, I had just committed there, so everybody was, like, excited. I was like, man, I just want to be able to practice against Jared and Will and BJ and Ishmael, my, like, all those guys that I got to watch in the championship game. I'm like, man, I'm not going to actually be on the team with them, like, it was a humbling experience because I knew I, I mean I knew I wasn't gonna play much my first year. I knew I wasn't gonna play behind them. But in my mind, I'm like, man, I gotta go at them and compete as hard as I can every day. Cause I know my sophomore year I'm gonna start, you know, and I wanna go and establish who gonna like take the who gonna be who gonna be the next one up. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that. I ain't really party a lot. Um, I mean I had fun, obviously a whole lot of fun, but uh 
I ain't really, I ain't really hang out. Like, I remember one of my, um, one of my homies. He's a, he was an engineer at Tech, and mm-hmm. when I made it with Golden State, you know, they had this huge story on ESPN because I was undrafted and I like broke the scoring record for the undrafted rookie or something like that. And um, you know, he hit me and was like, "Man, I remember we'll be coming back from the club like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning." And we'll see you walking back to the dorm with your basketball, leaving the gym, working out. I was like, bro, I ain't know y'all. I'm like, why y'all ain't pick me up and give me a ride, bro? It's like a 15-minute walk. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, but dang, bro. I could have gave it a look. It's right there. But nah, nah, it was cool, though. But I, you know, like hearing stories like that, you know, when people, you know, people kind of tell me about, like, the process, like, and seeing my progression over time. And the work ethic and stuff, like I can, I can appreciate hearing that. You know what I'm saying? So, definitely, yeah. So, and I mean, you you being an undrafted free agent, making you said initially that you uh, were had different mentality than first round picks and some of those other guys who had guaranteed contracts. What are some mm-hmm. unseen things or unexpected things that you think cause guys in the NBA? Say it again, the last part. What are some unexpected or unseen things that happen in guys' careers that cause them to become bust? So like like an Evan Turner, how did Evan Turner become a, not, not him particularly, but Evan Turner yeah. was particularly this, that he didn't really pan out. Why do you see yeah. guys in the league not really panning out? Man, I think it's fit, number one. Like, you know, a lot of guys, like Evan Turner, his career to a nice career. It's just that I don't think uh, him going to Philly with that second pick was a great fit for him because they were in the same position they in now. It was kind of like the culture wasn't what it is now. You know what I'm saying? They were still rebuilding. And some guys, I just think like, I, you know, like Markel Fultz, something like that. You know what I'm saying? I think he would have been better off if he hadn't got hurt, but it's a, it's a different list of things, man. It could be injuries. It could be fit. It could be the organization. It could be, the culture of the organization, um, I think a lot of it is that. If you're talking about basketball-wise and not, like, decision-making-wise, yeah, it could be any of those things. It ain't necessarily, like, they fault, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just got to figure it out and then have the self-aware to say, all right, look, man, I want to be the best pro I can be, bottom line. Um, the, the issue is a lot of times guys start getting, you know, you're going to have the people that's going to, like, uh, you know, that's going to be like, man, you should have been this, you should do that, you should you should go here, you should go there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, that ain't, that ain't everybody, that ain't, that ain't how that's going to go down all the time, you know? So it's mainly just about, uh, you know, mainly just about, for one, you know, you got to put the work up every day. And then the second part is just the mentality of being in the NBA and having discipline to stay, keep your body right, you know, um, stay in shape, you know, stay out of trouble, keep your nose clean, try not to have no kids too early. <laughs> like, um, just all those things, man, you know. But, yeah, number one is fit, though, because you come into an organization, it's kind of crazy because if you look at somebody like John Morant, you know, on the other side of like a guy like Evan Turner, uh, Markel Fultz or something like that. 
which I don't I don't think they bust. I just, you know, I think that the fit and them coming into the, the organization they came into it just wasn't, you know, probably for them. But um you look at a guy like John Moran, always say you're gonna draft a point guard that high. He gotta have the self-awareness to know that he's gonna be the face of like a multi-billion dollar company. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta have, I always say point guards and quarterbacks are like that. You know, I, I don't have to, I can draft a power four or a small four with that pick and not have to worry about them not, I, 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 I don't have to worry about them being the head of, of the organization right away, unless it's like LeBron or something. But, you know, that's how it is. So, so some of that's work ethic too. But. Okay, so you're you're basically about to lead me into my question because I've had I've had thoughts about this, and it's it's kind of been prevalent, especially in certain discussions in the NBA at this time. So, like when you came in, the league wasn't as young as it was. When you came in, you had vets. You had vets like Stephen Jackson, Corey McGetty, and then when you go to these different teams, you always have vets. And now right. that you're in the position that you have for the Hornets, how important is it to still have like vets or OGs in the league to basically help steer players who need that kind of guidance? Because not every team in the league has that specifically. Yeah. No, that's super important, man. And, you know, us being, I think with this past year, was the third youngest team in the league. Um, yeah, it's super important because you got to have guys like Montrez Harrell, um, Gordon Hayward, uh, Terry Rozier. You know, it's it's important. It's just that, uh, you know, it's just the way that your, your roster structure, you know what I'm saying? But you got to have them guys. Like, it is younger, so you may, like, I probably had about six dudes on my team that was there for me, which is, you know, some, like, most people now, younger teams, they probably may have two guys like that. You know, like veteran guys that don't mind not playing, or don't mind giving game back, or don't mind, you know, showing some young dudes the ropes of the NBA in general, on and off the court. So it's super important. And, um, you know, I mean, it's and then guys just got to embrace their role. You know, a lot most guys do when they get, you know, up in age and then, you know, they start going different direction with the organization, who they draft and stuff. And you kind of like, all right, man, you know, I, I was kind of in that position in Oklahoma City and in Chicago at the end of my career. But, um, man, it's cool. It's just you got to have a lot of guys, maybe a few guys, at least a few guys like that. So I think that's something that we might go towards in the offseason coming up for next season. But, um, yeah, I needed all them vets, man. I needed all of them. I wanted that respect, you know what I'm saying? So I was I stayed in the gym, you know what I'm saying? So it definitely uh, it definitely worked out, though. I think it'll be more, more of that here soon. Definitely, definitely. So here's another thing. I'm gonna give you three choices, right? Because I know your mm -hmm. time is valuable. Do mm have -hmm. talk to, either talk about the 2015-2016 season? Mm -hmm. OKC. Okay, yeah, OKC. Okay, um, middle yeah. school shorty. <laughs> middle school shorty. <laughs> 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 but still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. You didn't did your homework, bro. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, finally. Or um, 
Which one, by the way? Uh, being, being coached by Avery Johnson. One of those questions. Oh. Which one you want to talk about? Because I know your time is short. And uh, I mean, I'll talk. I, I mean, I, and I'll say this: Coach Avery Johnson was great. Super. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really, really important in, in my development in uh, Jersey. Uh, still to this day, super close with him. Um, respected, you know, and he, you know, I, I loved playing for him, man. He was such a, he's a unique person, man, in general, but he a great person. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, middle school shorty, man, I gave, I gave Steph that name when we was in, uh, <laughs> we was in, uh, uh, our rookie year. Well, his rookie year, my second year. And, uh, everybody was asking me because they would hear me say it. Me and CJ Watson would call him that. And everybody would ask, like, bro, what does that mean? Why you calling him that? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> nah, um, yeah, so it was like, why you call him that, man? Like, what does it mean? I was like, bro, you know how when you play in middle school, you really play really carefree because you don't really know how to play. <laughs> but he, like, made a living all playing like that. And I, I had to explain it to him. I was like, bro, you know you play like, you play like a little kid, but I'm not saying that in a bad way because he was he was he came in the league super like already looking different. You know, we ain't know he's gonna like this, but that's where that came from, man. I said, man, you can't lose that, bro. You can't ever lose that. Like you gonna that's that's what make you who you are. That make him special. And like if you see some of the stuff he does today, but see, right. I've worked out with him. Like we played against each other since we was like 10, 11 years old high school rivals, AAU team rivals. Then we end up playing, you know, play summer league. Then we end up playing with each other in the, in the league. And I was like, bro, like, that's, I was like, that's, that's something different, bro. Cause they, they tried to, they tried to be really critical of him about how he's, how he played. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yo, he done changed basketball and all this, you know what I'm saying? So like, and, and, and you've seen yeah. it in the, in the AU, everybody chucking at three now. You definitely. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he changed it. He did. I mean, and when I say that, because people try to give Mark Jackson flack for that. But mm. I mean, I would, I know what he meant by that. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he didn't mess up the game of basketball. He just revolutionized. It. You know mm. what I'm saying? Now you look, now you got guys, you got guys like Trey Young now. People starting to draft towards that. Right. That's when you, that's when you, that's why I said, look, bro, he's one of the, I said, if you really look at people that change basketball, he on that list, Mike, Braun, Shaq, you know what I'm saying? Stuff. People like, where Kobe? I'm like, look, man, I love Kobe. Mm-hmm. He's my second favorite player ever. But I said, we saw Kobe and Mike. Right. You know what I'm saying? We saw Mike and Kobe. You know, somebody do like Allen Iverson. He got to build them. It's like little dudes that just change the game. You got to change a rule for a player. You know, they talk, they was talking about moving the three point line back. I'm like, come on, bro, leave it alone. Like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, that's my brother. Please dodge OKC. Okay. <laughs> oh nah, man. We ain't win at all, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Well, I wanted to see how it was the environment. It's literally that year. I thought K- KD was going to come to New York and the podcast was going to start that year when he decided oh, yeah. not to come. Yeah, that year, two, um, 2016 years, 2017. 2016. I thought he was coming. Yeah, I thought he was coming in. But that year had to be like Chamond, every rumors and so forth. And 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 and, and so it must have been come t- a little tension. 
Nah, yeah, yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't say that. It was just because that year we we really thought we was gonna win a championship. Like yeah. we was like we get past Golden State. Cleveland knew they weren't gonna beat us. Facts. <laughs> and it's crazy because real talk because LeBron told LeBron t- told KD that he was like, bro, when we saw we had Golden State, bro. Everybody just felt like a weight was lifted off their shoulder because we did not want to see y'all in the final. You know what I'm saying? But um, that whole year wasn't really bad with it. Nah, it was good. Like KD did a great job. Like we we were so tight knit as a team, we never talked about that. You know what I'm saying? We never talked about it. Like we just knew it was a little bit of an elephant in the room because when he said he wanted to like experience for agency, everybody was like, "Oh man!" Like you know what I'm saying? Like, so then, you know, we lose. And, you know, <clears throat> July 4th, I think of my dad's house going home. Look down, Bleach Report, Katie joins the Warriors. And that was weird. Because I was like, bro, we just was in the trenches with them folks, man. <laughs> like, for him to join them like that, it was, it was odd. But it was... Uh, you know, it wasn't really never no hate. You know what I mean? Like him and even Russ. That's it that was that was Russ needing something to really motivate him to come and have that season he had the next year. Mm. He always got a chip on his shoulder, man. He always always been very competitive like that. He's always been um, you know, just looking for that for that edge all the time. And that that fueled him that summer. You know, I would watch him work out, and it, like, motivated me. I'm like, man, probably crazy right now. And um, so, yeah, that's all it was. But, you know, we we played, and we was all hyped up, man. He came in, OKC, and gave us 40. Easy. Easiest 40 I've ever seen. And I was like, man, what we can do about this, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was cool. Man, I mean, I thank God. Like, I always tell people – him and Steph are, the, my, are two of my favorite players to work out with. Like basketball workouts, drill workouts, like it's crazy because they're so creative and make you want to work on what they're working on and put it in your game. And they want to work out with me because I can shoot. You know, nobody want to work out with nobody that can't shoot, be running around for rebounds all day. But he was, <laughs> you know, those, those are two guys that I, you know, I really, I'm thankful I got to play with. And Dirk Nowitzki too. So what would you say, you know, Katie's been in the media lately. What do you think is the most un- misunderstood element about people like Katie in the NBA? Um, man, just that every, every superstar is not the same and not mentally the same or necessarily on some alpha, you know, not saying like he's not an alpha or he's not, you know, um, tough because he's tough as nails, man. It's just the way he approaches the game and some of the situations where you might say the app, like the normal superstar that you usually see it be like this alpha male that doesn't let anything bother him and all that. That's cool. But everybody not going to be like that. That's not realistic in real life. And that's not going to be realistic. Even as a professional basketball player, guys handle their emotions differently. Um, you know, and that just is what it is, man. But people make a bigger deal out of it because he's responded and we in this generation of immediate, like, just cancel culture, uh, cancel culture and immediate just, like, talking down and, excuse me, making everything, like, a big deal. 
about something like as simple as a burner account. I'm like, bro, he ain't like he committed a crime. They was talking about suspending him. I'm like, for what? You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, mentally, everybody ain't going to handle everything. So I think the number one thing that, that that's the um, misconception that he's soft or something because that's how he that's how he operates. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just an emotional guy and he just deals with his emotions like that. Ain't nothing wrong with it, you know. But um I also think that that's what I wouldn't want to call him a two, but I think he's like a one B, maybe. Um, he do need somebody else. I mean, and everybody you can't win by yourself no more, obviously. But you're gonna need somebody else. Like he I think he I think he really could have benefited if he still had Draymond on his team. You know what I'm saying? And Draymond's not like a superstar or nothing, but for what he brings to the table emotionally and like mentally for his teammates, he's a superstar in that mode. He's a superstar in that right. For real. Since you mentioned Draymond, do you think he should have got a, got ejected yesterday for that flagrant uh that flagrant too? I I I don't I don't I don't really think I don't think he should have. But he, I can see why he did. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to say, like, I mean, if he wouldn't have slapped him and just grabbed his jersey, he probably wouldn't have got kicked out. He didn't try to slap him, though. He really was right. going after the ball. But Anthony, if they, he's a, y'all professional athletes. Y'all could hold every part of your body. No, nah, man. Not in it, bro. It's, it's intense, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, the game, it looks slow on TV, but it's, like, super fast. Super right. fast, bro. So stuff like that can happen in the blink of an eye. And I don't, I honest to God, I don't think he tried to do that. But I, I I said this yesterday. I said, um, if they was in Golden State, they was at Oracle, mm-hmm. they don't throw him out of that game for that. Probably would have got a flavor one. You know what I'm saying? But he, I mean, Charles, he's like, you actually committed two flavor ones in one play. <laughs> you slapped him, grabbed his jersey, slammed him to the ground, really three. Like, he, he didn't try to do that, though. He really didn't. But, um, I mean, I can see why they, they, they would have. If I, if I was playing for Memphis, I'm like, man, get him out. You know, <laughs> right. he could have went either way. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to assume we're probably drawing near. So, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question since nobody's going to ask it. Who do you think is going to the finals? Uh, I actually got, um, I actually got, uh, Miami and um, Miami and Golden State. Miami. Yeah. You think they could handle Milwaukee? Yes, they're the only team that's physical, that's long. They got people they can throw in front of Giannis. Boston ain't got that. They ain't got nothing for him. They're gonna have to start double teaming him. So Miami's the only physical. I said the two most physical teams come out the East every year. It's the two most physical teams is Miami and, and Milwaukee. Mm, I disagree for a simple and fact. I think that. Miami. Go ahead. No, no, you're the professional. Go ahead. I want to hear no, your opinion. Your opinion is more valued than mine's. Go ahead. No, nah, I just I think Miami got everything. They got they got a, they got like an all star point guard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, of course, Jimmy. Bam! Like they got bodies. They got people everywhere. PJ now he can defend and make corner threes, and then uh. They bench deep. They got shooters everywhere. Like Tyler Hero, 
what's his name? Duncan uh Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh the, the Struce kid came out of nowhere. He could shoot shoot the ball real well. And um then they got some shot makers like Tyler Hero can shoot, but he can get streaky, he can get hot, not streaky, but he get hot, hot. But he had an amazing season. I mean, it just is everywhere. Like Chris Middleton, I don't know how healthy he is or if he's gonna be able to play at a high mm-hmm. level. But right now it's gonna be, you know, Giannis is good enough to do it and dominant enough yeah. to do it to carry him. But I think that having all them big dudes in Miami gone, that might wear him down a little bit. That'll slow big, him down a little bit. The big dudes, bam, bam. See, here's the thing I'm thinking. Miami don't switch. They generally stay with their person, right? Do they switch? I think mm-hmm. they stay, right? Yeah, no, they switch. They switch, right? But everyone, mm-hmm. okay, they, they switch. What are they going to do when Giannis comes downstream? They're going to collapse. Boom, they kick it out to their three-point line. Two, Bam cannot handle Giannis. I don't think Bam can handle Giannis. They cannot. It ain't going to just be, it ain't just going to be Bam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't just going to be Bam. Like they gonna have to, they gonna have to guard him by committee. That ain't no one on one situation. Now that that ain't that ain't happening. But they gonna have to. Uh, honestly, I think if they, I mean, of course they're gonna crowd the paint on him, and then it's gonna right. be like, okay, if Chris Middleton's not healthy, who else making shots? Because I love Drew Holiday, but he's streaky, super streaky. Grace and Allen. <laughs> yeah, Grayson. I, I mean, he gonna have to. He gonna have to. He gonna have to. He gonna have to. He playing well right now. He's right. well. He gonna to continue to do that. You know what I mean? Because Bobby is making shots. Yep. Yeah, Bobby yep. Portis and that's and Brooke Lopez. So they got they got long guys too, and guys who could come yeah. off the dribble and shoot threes and so forth. They ain't as athletic know. as Miami though. Yeah, that's what I look at the athleticism across the board. Like mm-hmm. ain't nobody messing with Giannis, obviously. But then, you know, they don't have. Some of them do like you gotta have like that's the problem with uh with Brooklyn. They mm-hmm. don't have enough wings with size that can defend and make shots. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I think so. Sorry. Also, also when they met they um what's the guy Jones the the tough guy the muscle James it, Johnson. You keep calling him James, James Johnson. Yeah, yeah, James Johnson. Yeah. I think letting him go was a big big mistake. I'm old. I'm the oldest guy in the yeah. podcast, so I think yeah. that was a mistake with them. They need a muscle, well, someone that. Oh, you Brooklyn, know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, they needed him. They needed him back. He, he can't really shoot, but he like make sure your other team best player. He gonna make it hard on. Right. You know so I saying? definitely think that. I think that Memphis series is over. Yeah, I sure. agree. So <laughs> I right. agree. they gonna get swept. It's over, man. Because I think it's like, giving sweet. them six. I, I I give it six. I, I give no it way. Six. Go ahead, uh, bro. Listen, <laughs> if you was gonna win, they would have had to win yesterday, bro. They was mm-hmm. at home. They was mm-hmm. at home. Draymond ja got made kicked four out. threes. Draymond mm-hmm. got kicked out. Ja made four threes, which he's not going to do again because he don't want to shoot threes. Right. And then, like the Jaron Jackson boy had like thirty nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't see him doing that the rest of the series because David Jay's gonna make adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's all you do after each game, you know what I'm saying? And ain't nobody. It's it's not too many teams better at making them adjustments, adjust uh, adjustments as Golden State. That's just the bottom line, bro. Then Steph missed a few wide open threes. Uh, Clay didn't shoot well. That's not happening again, bro. And then they going back to Oracle. Tell me, it's gonna get ugly. Mm. It's gonna get well, ugly. I mean, I have Golden State winning regardless, winning that regardless. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like. 
how I explained it yesterday, I was like, look, I'm like, to me, this game, I said this series could be a track meet because the athletes are going to be out. But the yeah. one thing that the one thing that the Grizzlies lack is the IQ of like a Steph, Draymond, uh, Clay. When all those guys are like in sync, it's, it's just going to be mm-hmm. hard because just Draymond's going to pick you apart. And yeah. even even with him out, it's just like, OK, now how how is this going to happen? But then you got this great emergence of Jordan Poole. Dude, mm-hmm. dude was just going crazy yesterday. So I mean, I always feel yeah, like he's be like an X factor, like in any series that they play in. Yeah, um, yeah, that's. I mean, Memphis is still really young, though. Right. So like, they're gonna be really good coming out the West, mm-hmm. like the next seven years or something, and keep them people together because they physical, and you know, they just they just don't have the experience that Golden State has right now. They looking at the game differently. You know what I'm saying? And um. Excuse me. I mean, of course, they're probably going to get out. I love Memphis' coach, but, I mean, it's kind of hard. You're coaching against Steve Kerr, bro. It's going to be hard. You know what I'm saying? Anthony, do you mind giving a eulogy for the, uh, the uh, Philadelphia? Two, we have two Philadelphia fans on our show, Evans and his <laughs> partner, Kelvin. And uh, and um, I just – just what's your insight about them? I just want to hear the brutal honest that. Thibodeau is a better coach than Doc Rivers. Oh, brother, we don't need to hear that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, can, you can leave out. You can, you can yeah, and I love the Thibodeau part, but you can and leave I love talk about the Philly part. Uh, who they are they playing now? Yeah, they playing. They playing yeah, Miami, Miami now, right? Miami. Yeah, yeah, they playing. Yeah, I was in there. I was in there. That's why I was in there watching it. Uh, it was coming on when we, when we uh, talk, call. But um. Yeah, man, it's gonna be rough without Joel for sure. If he out three games, they're talking about indefinite. Then I heard three games. It's gonna be rough without him, bro. Seriously, because they just don't have enough. You know, Tobias Harris, like he's gonna be hard. Who gonna step up and give you? But he give thirty three, fifteen, nine assists, four blocks, fifty percent shooting from the field. Like that's defensive player, damn near defensive player of the year. Like. Nah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Four ninety three seventy seven, seven minutes left. Yeah, it's gonna be rough. Gonna be <laughs> so I want to ask you this: Yeah, this it's might go be five games. Five, <laughs> maybe maybe get swept though. If he don't play three games, it's over. This the series. Oh. This I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> so and I wanted to say I felt kind of bad for him, man. Yeah, I really. This is his year. He is the MVP. Yeah, man. He got he they the gotta get it to him. Yeah, man. And so, now they need to take into consideration how Jokic was looking. I, I was like, bro, Draymond Green neutralized that boy. <laughs> like, we not even thinking about he the MVP no more, bro. <laughs> Never seen that before. Not from a dude having a season like Jokic in the playoffs like that. One that, dude <laughs> took him completely out of everything. Out of it was crazy, bro. I mean, and, I can understand. Like that ain't that ain't gonna happen to Youngs. Like he gonna figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He had a bad game yesterday, and he still had a triple double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, how you gonna stop that? It's crazy, I, bro. I wanted to just step back and 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 give us some insight of. I know you're the team. You you can't talk too much, but Charlotte. What can we look forward to? The Charlotte Hornets. Yes, give in the me future. Uh, that's Al's team. Man. That's Al's team. Give me some that, hope, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or you can just uh, mar- or you can just marvel about Lamelo too, like <laughs> which, whichever way nah. it, it'll make it'll make me feel a little better somewhat. <laughs> no, nah, I just I, I mean, um, you know, we got the draft coming up. That's going to be really important. So, um, getting excited and geared up for that, and summer league obviously after that. Um, but we we really uh, you know, I don't have too much information right now, but um. Of course, we're building everything around Melo because he's really, mm-hmm. truly a special, a special basketball player, bro, and a special kid, like he's a special person. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, people be forgetting he's only like 20, but that's what I said. When you, you know, you give the keys to a 20 year old point guard, tell them you to face a multi billion dollar company, you better make sure you get it right. And they got it right with him. Mm-hmm. They got it right with him. Um, definitely got a bright future. Um, you know, so I think he's he's like a breath of fresh air in Charlotte for us, man. And we uh, you know, we really really proud and really excited to have him and moving forward, building around him. Um, you know, so I mean, uh, of course, you know, it's gonna be some more changes or some moving around, some pieces maybe. But right now, I think we got a really good core with Lamelo, um, with Melo, uh, Miles, PJ, those guys, Terry. You know the core is is really solid right now, man. I just we obviously want everybody to stay together, man. Work hard this summer, come in locked in, um, and just you know get ready to have a playoff season next year. That's yeah, the main man. goal. Definitely. I have a question. This is this is a hard yeah. question. Um, back in February, there was a struggle. Um, there was only two wins in the month of February. Do you think right. if we win at least half of those games, we would have at least made the playoffs? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't there in February. That was like my last. I, I had just left OKC then. Okay. But um, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, we still made the play-in game. Like we still could have made the playoffs. We win. Let's say four more games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we went, if we went six games in February. We in the playoff. It's yeah. the East, because right. my because Atlanta started playing so well at the end. That's what threw us out, mm-hmm. and then we had to see them at in Atlanta. So I mean, wasn't too much we could really do at that point, you know. But that's why you start thinking. I, I told I was talking to him in the um, like after the season. I got what I talked to him, maybe Gordon or something. But I was like, you know, you start thinking about them games that you blew them 22, 25 point leads. Mm-hmm. In January, you know, or in December, you start thinking about that stuff. And they add up. That's why, like, the best teams have attention to detail, and that's where them vets come into play. Because the vets going to help you realize and understand and do whatever it takes to win those games that, you know, it may be a, you know, some of them games is like, some of them games is like, a, you know, dog day games where you don't feel like playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you're tired and your legs hurt and, you know, it's that part of the season where it's hard to, you know, really get energy up. But those are games that you got to win. You know what I'm saying? But those are the games right there that's the most important so that you can, you know, push through and, and not have to worry about playing games and, you know, all the other stuff, man. But we'll be all right. I, I definitely believe that. And I like to say you got robbed. 2008 
and nine season when you had led with your 67%, 47% three point percentage. You should have been a three point shooter. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, should, yeah they, ain't, they ain't put me in a three-point contest that year. You got robbed, man. I really thought I – no, you know what happened? And then the next year I thought I was going to be in it because I was, like, top five. But I was – that first year I was – I'm the I'm still – I can't believe it. I'm still um the only rookie to lead the NBA in a three-point percentage. Yep. And then the next year it was top five. And mm-hmm. I thought I was going to really get in it that year. And then they put Steph in it. And I, I, they put me in a rookie softball game against Steph. So it, it worked out really cool. But I was like, ah, uh, because Steph tried to – see, this is the kind of dude he is. This is why I love my brother. Steph went to them and was like, hey, man, I don't want to be in a three-point contest. Put put Amo in. And they was like, nah, we can't do that, bro. This is politics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this the league. It's, it's above us, bro. So uh, – but nah, man, it was cool, though. But that was dope. He tried to get me in there like that. But, um, yeah, man, it's all good. Yeah, I guess that's my last. That's my last. Yeah, question. go ahead. Because you just, you just, um, I'm mentioning about those dog days. Um, there's a rumor. Don't know. Don't know how how true it'll it'll be or if it'll ever happen. Um, Adam Silver mentioning potentially reducing the games, the number of games throughout the season. Do you think? Yep. Oh, no, you good. I was going to say, do you think that'll ever happen, especially if they're talking about having, like, this middle-of-the-year tournament? Um, I've heard that, too. Like, maybe reducing, like, 10 games or something like that. Right. I don't ever see that happening, bro. I don't either. Too much money. If they do do that, I don't see it being 10 games. Because when you start looking at that money, like, them owners not looking at, Oh, they need rest or just shorten it. They're going to look at it like how much money we lost because, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're going to count the money that they lost, they lost in 10 games. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to come down to the owners. But that'd be something that would be like when it's, when it's um, you know, um, um, contract negotiations. You know, that's that'll definitely, that'll be something that'll come up in those negotiations with the owners and the players. But I don't think it'll be – the players may not push back too much on that. If the owners don't don't come off that, the players – that's not going to be like a deal breaker or nothing, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, we, we do have one question we always ask out uh, every athlete. You know what his answer athlete. is. He already gave I know, but answer. I want to hear him say it. Who is your GOAT? <laughs> Mike. Already said, Mike. He said, "Why? North Carolina? What you mean?" He said, "Why?" He's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. No, stop. He was he was born in Brooklyn, but raised in Charlotte. He's from Brooklyn. Born, raised in Wilmington. Born in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, raised in Wilmington, North Carolina, and that means he's from here. We always say, when you go to middle school and high school, that's where you're from. He went to elementary, middle school, and high school, and college here. <laughs> yes, oh man, uh, we we still take a, a a small sliver of the pie. Nah, whatever. nah. nah. You whatever. might, you might, you might, you might get a little dash of nutmeg. That might, be but that's, you barely getting that too. But and uh, thank you for joining us. This was a great interview. Um, 
let us know anytime that you are available to talk. We'd be happy to talk with you again. Um, I know you got some charities. If you got a few moments, you could definitely speak about that to get uh, people in the city plugged in. We got Anthony Mall Charities, um, amocharities.org. Um, you know, I've had my foundation for 12 years. So um really take pride in, you know, basically, uh, you know, it's, it's rooted, you know, out of West Boulevard. Um, and we kind of just been building since we've been building over the last 12 years. Um, just recently, uh, a couple years ago, put in the mental health program. And we just now just had our first financial literacy uh, program, which went really well for the parents. We did one, we did one for the children. You know, my um, Kishana, she wrote uh, a children's book. We did an event with her. And um, then the adults wanted an event. So we had to do another one and structure that one for them too. So that's been pretty cool, man, because I always, you know, thought like I didn't know nothing about no money until I got some money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like economics book ain't really teach me nothing when I was in elementary school, middle school, and uh in high school because we couldn't relate to none of it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, now we can actually teach kids what they're not going to teach you in a in a textbook. And then it was like, damn, we teaching the grown-ups too. So I mean, you know, I just thank God for my staff. I mean, my board and Vina, who's uh, my manager. And, um, you know, we got uh, back to school coming up. Um few things. I got to check the calendar on it, man. But everything on the website, for sure. But it's cool. Once again, thank you for coming through. Everybody in the city, plug into the website. And that concludes this interview. Um, make sure you check us out on the different platforms that we actually post on or wherever you listen to your podcast. We out. Thank you, man. Thank y'all. Oh, thank you, man. We appreciate, appreciate your time, man. And- that. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.